0: Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. I'm Tim Crouch. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, financial professionals in divorce and, and maybe the differences between that financial advisor and a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, a a CDFA. Uh, What are the differences between those two roles in a collaborative divorce?
1: I'll take that one, Tim. Thank you for that question. And I think more specifically in collaborative divorce, we're learning that the CDFA, as you mentioned, is a neutral professional. And that's a very important question. What is the differences? between that neutral CDFA and your regular financial advisor. Many couples contemplate this as they begin to sort through their resources available for divorce. Those differences fall in five key areas. Number one, your financial advisor is not a divorce specialist. Don't expect them to be. They're not licensed nor trained in this niche area. They create value in other ways. Divorce financial knowledge eludes most of them. Number two, many financial advisors won't touch the divorce arena with a 10 foot pole. Their compliance and ethics departments, as well as their supervisors and regulatory agencies don't want them to appear to be giving advice in an area outside of their expertise. Supervisors and regulators say it's best to refer clients who are divorcing or contemplating divorce to a specialist, like a CDFA or an attorney. Number three, the collaborative divorce-neutral CDFA has specialized training, knowledge, skills, experience, and tools applicable to divorce. They've studied, worked to develop and implement optimal strategies for helping families sort through the money issues in divorce. They look at the short-term and obvious, as well as the longer-term and not-so-obvious financial ramifications, helping to avoid money mistakes and bring experience and insight to the collaborative team. Number four, Free reports and online calculators offered by some financial advisors will not provide the best outcome. They're either too generic or used as a sales tool. They do not help the financial specifics nor manage the emotions around divorce and money. If you've been researching divorce finance, you'd find it can be very confusing and overwhelming. And finally, Collaborative divorce CDFAs do not sell financial, insurance, or mortgage products, nor manage investment portfolios. They leave that to the financial advisor. You can relax knowing that a neutral financial professional in collaborative divorce is there to simply gather the data, helping to ensure no stone is left unturned to educate about your financial pie, to listen with a fresh ear to each of you, to provide facilitation and tools, helping both you and your spouse feel heard as you make more informed financial decisions and reach durable agreements that work for each of you.
0: So, Cinder, can you talk a little bit about how a CDFA, or the neutral financial professional in a collaborative case, does their work?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, Kathy and I have been doing um, divorce, financial analysis, settlement um, for couples for uh, each of us, uh, probably about 20 years. And when we first started doing this, I know I would go to attorneys and I would say, well, I'd like to work as a neutral. I'd like to help people or maybe I could work on one side to help somebody see what their future might look like. And the attorneys would say, well, well, why would anybody come see you? I can tell them what they need to know. So what's happened over the years, it's evolved, and now we get phone calls where we're asked to come to the table, we're asked to help individuals, and um, in the collaborative process, which is key, uh, the skill set is to be able to work with both people, so both of them have the full scope of knowledge and information and confidence in making their decisions. So now, 20 years later, we are often um, an important part of helping people uh, put their divorce together in a financial sense, where they know and understand. And collaborative is the um, a really, really good uh, venue for that process.
0: I've heard it said uh, that that the key to settling a divorce is the financial professional, the neutral fat financial professional. If you can get past the money issues, the other things become a little easier. But money often is is the issue that's sort of blocking people. Is 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 that accurate?
2: I think people go to the money part of it first and to their detriment. We believe that people should pick the process that's going to work best for them. And we, since this is a collaborative um, objective in this presentation, what we know is that people can settle down and they can start to think in terms of solutions when they can see the alternatives and they both have the same scope of information. A litigated process pits people against each other, just sometimes determining what the facts are. And that can be spun out in a lot of different ways. But in collaborative, we stick with the facts and we understand the emotions that are happening for people in the divorce process.
0: And and it's important, Kathy, to be, to, to, to be working with both parties, because when both parties see the whole picture, it sort of changes the discussion, doesn't it?
1: That's right, Tim. Being that neutral brings a lot to the table. It creates a trust in a different way. The lawyers and the mental health professional coaches are aligned with their clients. The neutral financial is the only one who sits alone at the table with the couple. It's an educational role. It helps to address those power imbalances that may appear and be among between the couple. It's a facilitative role and it's a way to really explore the financial pie. Know the facts about the finances in advance and really bring the education that's needed so that they're both brought up to speed in a way they can make better decisions. Having all their questions answered, not feeling like there's any silly questions. It's okay to ask the same question twice. It's in the data gathering process, the way we organize it and summarize it. It educates the entire team, including the couple, in a way that they see the finances differently. Once we get all the data gathered and summarized in a simplified form, then we can begin brainstorming ideas about what's really important to them and why. Develop those financial ideas and bring that to the table. It's really a way we found that brings them the ability to create those durable agreements that stick in the long run.
0: So what attracted the two of you to this particular work? Why did you want to do this?
1: Like many financial advisors and professionals, too many of our clients would come to us after the divorce was final, not understanding the agreement. Concerned about cash flow, being able to afford the house, the income taxes. I saw a need for the education and handholding during the process. And I became motivated to help couples create those durable agreements. I was also blessed to be involved in the mid nineties at a time when the team model was evolving. The financial role was taking on different shapes, We became center and core at the table with the full team. I was in the right place at the right time, if you will, bringing my financial planning skills and divorce training to the table. It was mental health professional, Nancy Ross, who first teamed up with me to enhance the money and emotions conversations that had to take place between the couple. They saw that this neutral financial role was objective It was a tool to use in an emotional situation. You know, and the lawyers were drawn to this cost savings and efficiencies because now the neutral would help set the stage, draft the financial disclosures, which are required by law, and ensure accuracy and completeness of the financial data before the discussions began around property division and income sharing. They would say that a more complete picture provided that value added right from the start. And they would tell me sorting through the data and reading all those tax returns was not so much fun for them. So for me, I soon began attending trainings together with the lawyers, often being the only non-lawyer in the room. I developed an interest in teaching and training both other financial professionals as well as the team. When this role continues to evolve, we become more facilitative in helping to run the meetings in an efficient way. We create the agendas in conjunction with the team as a whole. And over the past decade or so, the case management role has been a natural fit. The case managers helps to ensure tasks are completed and a roadmap is in place. For me, it's about making a difference helping families restructure in a way that takes a problem-solving approach, addressing difficult emotional topics without going to court.
0: So, Cindy, what attracted you to this work?
2: Yeah, I had a similar experience where I would uh, get clients after the divorce, and they would show me their marital settlement agreement, and I would have questions, and I would say, well, for instance, what about the life insurance in case spousal support stops because the other person has died? And I said, say, oh, well, I don't know. I said, well, I don't see anything in here about that. Well, my, my attorney told me I was getting a good deal. So, um, I felt sad for those people. And at that point, there, you're going to be, if you're the financial advisor, you're going to be working with what that person got. There isn't going to be any going back to court. Enough money has been spent and there's been enough uh, difficulty along the way. So, I find it um, interesting work. Um, it's always uh, something like a solving a puzzle where you gather up all the pieces and you make the picture that you lay out on the table. And you say, well, here's a piece missing and here's something that uh, creates continuity in the picture going forward. And so we look at each piece of it, we put it together and then we help people discuss and have knowledge and information about alternatives. So often people can get divorced after the divorce A year later, two years later, they're at a party. Somebody says, my divorce, uh, my husband's retirement account. And then they hear that from someone else and they think, well, I didn't know about that. I didn't ask that question. So we want to answer all the questions and get all the information we can. Because as much as people can be angry with each other, the worst thing is to be angry with yourself later about what I didn't know and what I didn't understand, and why did I make that decision? And so Kathy and I are very focused on um, educating and gathering information and um, being very supportive of the couples and the team.
0: So The name of this podcast is the Respectful Divorce Podcast. Uh, what What does it mean to divorce with respect in light of the work that you do?
1: Tim, good question. Divorcing with respect, maintaining dignity, feeling that it's a win-win situation, feeling heard. That's all points that contribute to what feels respectful in a divorce. It's a process and in collaborative divorce, we have a structure that sets a container And whoever you end up working with, whoever your team is, contains two lawyers, one for each of you. Oftentimes two mental health professionals helping with communications. And also with the child, if you have children, the parenting plan, how might you co-parent? And the finances, of course, how do you split the financial pie in a way that feels fair? That adds to respect, maintains dignity at the end of the process.
0: Do you have anything to add to that?
2: What I have seen in divorce and its human nature, it isn't a bad guy, good guy Um, every time. Sometimes that happens, but um, people have a way of communicating with each other, operating with each other, and they don't see a different or better way to do that and so in the collaborative process when we say it's going to be a process with respect that means that everybody gets to be heard equally and feel comfortable coming to the table and we help people change the way they maybe the way they talk to each other so they can start to hear each other and we change the knowledge base because so often Uh, One person has had more control or more insight than the other person. And one person may feel very disadvantaged. So we create parity and equality in the process. So both people have confidence in the decisions that they make. And
0: the the end result of this process versus... The litigated process, or what you experienced before you got involved in this. How is it different for the the clients post divorce? The
2: objective in the collaborative process, and I believe we accomplish that most of the time, is that people can go to a wedding, go to a graduation, uh, maybe have Christmas with their grandchildren, the other person is there because there's more likely. Less animosity towards each other because you learn to communicate with each other better, and all your questions were answered. So, the respect part of it comes during the divorce, and it also is our objective to create respect after the divorce.
1: That's a good piece, and I really appreciate that. Also, some of the outcomes differ than, say, in a litigation process. I'm thinking of A couple of cases that I had, one involved a lot of anger due to betrayal and worried about the future. It was a case where a husband had both a long-term pension, which was going to provide future monthly income, and came into the marriage with a house. And so some of that house contained some premarital separate property. He wanted to keep both the pension and the house as a way of revenge for the betrayal. After spending time in the collaborative divorce model and running financial models, from a financial perspective, he could see that this would not work out for his spouse, financially speaking. She'd be living under a bridge. He then began to open up and be willing to explore more options together. And that respect shined through. The room temperature went down immediately. They settled in a fair and equitable manner, dividing the pension and buying her out of the home so that she could relocate in a more comfortable way. You know, the collaborative divorce model brings a lot of different outcomes for different families. Another one I'm thinking about is so creative. We were so proud of this family as they restructured, spending time to understand their goals, their interests, their hopes and concerns for each spouse and the rationale behind them. One family decided to create an agreement where the financial model showed them to be about equal, financially speaking, 15 years into the future. Given agreed upon assumptions, they worked hard together and with their collaborative team, ultimately reached an agreement on how to share their income and divide their assets so that they were equal still into the future. The compassion and the creativity was heartwarming. Creating an agreement for the family, by the family. This doesn't often happen in the litigation process. Collaborative divorce brings opportunity in these new ways.
0: Matthew Daigle, Cinda Jones, thank you for joining us on the Respectful Divorce Podcast. We appreciate your being with us today. This reminder that Divorce with Respect Week is March 4th through 8th. For more information, go to divorcewithrespectweek.com. This is Tim Krause reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knot.